Movies, where guys get together to shoot the breeze and talk about our favorite movies and the lessons they teach us about being a man. Just a quick intro. As always, I'm JB. I'm a husband, a father of two, a son, and a brother. I'm a no expert on any of those things, but I do the best that I can. And I have a passion for film and a passion for discipleship. So why not mix the two? Movies can teach us a lot about life, and that's why I want to dive into. So let's get started. Joining me today is my friend who's been here before, Byron Lafayette. What's going, Byron? Hey, JB. Thanks for uh, having me on today. Yes, sir. Glad to get you back on. I'm pretty pretty excited, especially with the choice that we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I'm thinking this might be the first sci-fi movie that I've covered for this show. So oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked about it, too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're, we're, we're breaking new ground already. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Which is kind of weird. You would think that we would have hit that already, but I don't know. Why don't you tell everyone what you've been watching recently? You know, anything that you would recommend that sticks out? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I've been trying to, you know, because I, I, I log all of my films that I, I watch on Letterboxd. And, you know, I uh, I think last year I had seen maybe about, I think I, I hit just over 200 for the year. And so um, I kind of slowed down because there was a lot of t- good TV that was going on <laughs> over the last couple of months. And so I've been trying to, to, to boost up again. But a couple of films lately that I watched, I would say three that really stood out over the last like week and a half or so, was I revisited the uh, 2003 film uh, SWAT. That's the one that uh, it has uh, Samuel Jackson, Colin Farrell, uh, Jeremy Renner. He's like super young. In that one, and it was just super enjoyable. I, I, I really had a great time with it. Uh, just like some really great action scenes and just a thrill ride. And then there was one that I saw, um, I want to say, I think it was uh, last week. It was called 222, and it was a science fiction movie. I'd never heard of it before. Um, I'd never heard of any of the actors in it, but it popped up on uh, HBO Max, and I didn't have anything to watch. So I was like, well, I'll just give it a try. I watched the trailer, and I thought, oh, this looks good. And it's this like science fiction movie of this guy is an air traffic controller and he makes a mistake because he like zones out with this weird like thing that happens at 2.22 p.m. And these two planes almost collide and he just thinks he's spaced out or whatever. Well, then he meets this girl, you know, who had been on the plane uh, and he like falls in love with her. But then all these weird things start happening to him right at 2.22 p.m. every day. And he like is trying to figure out what's going on. He ends up finding out it may have something to do with her. And it's it's a great movie. It has some great twists. A great, uh, very much a, a sci-fi romance. And uh, I really liked it. And then lastly, I saw just the other day a romantic comedy called Down with Love that was directed by Peyton Reed, and it had a uh, Renee Zellweger and uh, Ewan McGregor in it. And uh, it took me a little while to get into it, like probably about like a good 15 minutes because it it's like a, a parody homage to the Doris Day films of the 60s. And so it's like they over, you know, they over exaggerate everything, like all the sets, everything. It's like I described it as like a uh, like a fever dream, almost like a hyper stylized fever dream. And, you know, like once you've adjusted yourself to the world that the film is giving you, I just found it was a great time. <laughs> it was just I, I was laughing and I really enjoyed it. So so those are the last three I watched that I really I really enjoyed. Nice, nice. And I've I've watched a few bangers here recently. Mm-hmm. I had never seen 
Sing Street before? Have you seen that? I have not seen that one, no. Okay, it's the third of what some people call the John Carney musical trilogy. None of the movies have anything to do with each other other than they are made by John Carney and they are about music. <laughs> so, but there's but they're all really really good. The first one was Once and then Begin Again with uh Kira Knightley and Mark Ruffalo and then Sing I think Street. I've seen that one, I think. That one sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, that one's probably the more popular one because it's got a lot of, you know, A-list actors and actresses in it. The first one Once was very indie i mean he made it with just like singers that had never acted before and then sing street was his last one was made in 2016 and it's about a high school band it's it was so good man and i'm a i'm a sucker for a good coming of age story and i kind of went on a little tangent of coming of age movies because i watched sing street and then the perks of being a wallflower have you seen that uh, I saw that one probably, I did, see, it was a while ago. Um, that was like a early 2000s, wasn't it? Uh, 2022. 2022. Okay, I want to say, oh man, that was, I probably saw that about maybe five years ago, I would say, I think, um, give or take. I remember I liked it though. <laughs> it's one of those ones I need to revisit. Yeah, Emma Watson and uh, Ezra Miller, which Ezra Miller's character in this movie was really, he was a trip. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, kinda, I always enjoy Ezra me... Miller. Huh? <laughs> I, I enjoy Ezra Miller. You know, he, he's an interesting guy and an interesting actor. <laughs> yeah. Perks of Being a Wallflower, very good movie. And seeing Ezra Miller in this element makes me even more excited about the new Flash movie. So, um, And then after that, I watched, for the first time, Say Anything with John Cusack. Uh, have you seen that? 1989? Let me see. Say anything. I'm a pretty big John Cusack fan. It's uh, iconic, man. You know what? With the boombox. Yeah, you know what? I don't think I have seen this one actually. Oh, I know the man. I know the boombox scene. Like I've seen that. But... Oh, I've seen that a ton of times. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the John Cusack. Who else is in? Oh, John Mahoney. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's some good people in this. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna add this to my uh, my watch list. It's on uh, HBO Max mm-hmm. right now, and yeah, I'm I'm always I'm always a sucker for this type of, of a movie. Like I'm just reading what's about noble underachiever <laughs> in love, summer before go off to college. Oh, and just Cameron hits all the right freaking points. Crow, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm always a sucker for mm-hmm. a Cameron Crow movie. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Vanilla Sky. I just, I, man. You oh, know. Man. For me, I'm in the Jared Maguire takes the cake mm-hmm. for me, man. Oh, Jared Maguire, I think, is the best one. And, like, you know, I think Vanilla Sky comes in in his top films for me just because I love the creativeness of that one. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you can't you can't beat Jared Maguire, you know, yeah. <laughs> show me the money. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You had me at hello, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, one of these days, I might do an episode on that one. Who knows? Um, and then lastly, I want to mention a rewatch because it had been probably, I don't know, 20, well, not 20 years because it came out in 2004. Uh, we'll say it's probably been about 15 or 16 years since I've seen it. And man, it really holds up. The butterfly effect. Ooh, that is a good one. Yes. 
<laughs> yes, I agree with you. Oh, oh man, that's such a great film. And I watched the director's cut. And I had when I watched it back in the day, I had the DVD. I still do. And I would watch the alternative ending or whatever. And I remember seeing that, but not necessarily in its context. So this time I actually watched the director's cut that had the alternate ending in it. And then you can really see the the other footage in it that made it make sense at the end. But I, I still have to say I prefer the theatrical for for a lot of reasons. And I have them listed in my uh, letterboxed review. So I'll have to read that because I'm, I'm not 100% sure which one I saw. I want to say... I want to say it was the theatrical, I think. So I don't think I've seen the director's cut. I'll have well, to so that we that don't out. spoil it, mm-hmm. I'll ask you after the show um, what the ending was. <laughs> and then, we, <laughs> then I'll tell you which one you watched. <laughs> okay. So, but yeah. <sighs> anyway, if you haven't seen any of those movies, you got to check them out. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about another sci-fi film. Actually, the first one that I've covered, and that is from 2002, correct me if I'm wrong, yes, 2002, the Christian Bale classic thriller, Equilibrium. So, Byron, you had actually suggested this a few months ago, so why don't you tell me what made you think of this originally, you know, before this rewatch here? Yeah, so, you know, um, I... I checked this movie out. It was, I want to say it was probably the first time I saw it a good 10 years ago. Um, I would say, and it was kind of like after, uh, it was after uh, Batman begins and like the dark Knight trilogy, uh, had started coming out that I became a fan of Christian Bale. And I was kind of checking out his filmography and it popped up, you know, this, uh, this movie. And I was like, Oh, I was like, this looks interesting. You know, <laughs> Christian Bale in a sci-fi movie, you know, um, dystopian, you know, it's kind of all, you know, it, it, it had all of the, uh, the tropes that I, that I enjoy watching. And also too, it kind of has that kind of charming mid two thousands dystopia, you know, that we had like equilibrium. Oh, was it a uh, ultraviolet? Uh, was it uh, Aona flux? You know, there was a bunch of those ones that kind of came out around that time. But, you know, when I saw it, it just kind of st- stuck with me because it was, is unique in a lot. It was unique in a lot of ways. And, I think what struck me was that it was very clearly created as a matrix ripoff. Like it was clearly like somebody at Miramax was like, Hey, that matrix movie was really popular. We need to do something like that. But then it developed its own identity, you know, and it kind of became its own thing that was in some ways better than the matrix in some ways. I'm sure we'll get into that later. And so it just kind of stuck with me. And so then, you know, when, uh, um, you know, when uh, you were asking for some recommendations, uh, it just kind of stuck me, you know, I was thinking like, oh, what's a good sci-fi movie to recommend to him, you know, <laughs> and, and just immediately, you know, like Equilibrium popped into my head and I was like, okay, this is, it's an unusual type movie, you know, it's mostly forgotten, you know, like most people don't really remember it, it doesn't hit a lot of lists or anything, uh, and it has some great emotional moments too, and just some good lessons and statements on life and why life is worth living and such. <laughs> You don't see that a lot sometimes in science fiction movies nowadays. Yeah, especially you said it has a lot of emotional moments. This is a movie about suppressing emotion, <laughs> so uh-huh. it's kind of <laughs> kind of funny. But 
I'm with you. You said it in a lot of ways. It's better than the Matrix. And honestly, I think it is. And I've got a lot of reasons there. Mainly because Christian Bale and Tay Diggs are both much better actors than Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne. Just throwing that out there. Keanu is a glorified stuntman. Uh, I will die on that. He's a great guy. I will say Mm -hmm. he is a great guy. I've read a lot of things about him behind the scenes, but he's not an actor. (laughs) No, I I don't really disagree with you, honestly, because like he he is one of those ones where, you know, yeah, he he, he's not somebody you go to when you think of of like the best actors or something like that. You know, there's some films where he's definitely better than others. You know, like I remember The Lake House. I, I enjoyed him. You know, I thought like, oh, OK, he's like way better in this and stuff. But but yeah, I mean, he he's an action guy, you know, speed, you know, um, you know, obviously Matrix and stuff. So I, I don't disagree. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, there's a place for guys like that. And it's, it's fine. But then there's you got other guys who are action stars who can act like a Tom Cruise or something, you mm-hmm. know, so. But yeah, when I first watched it, I was just, I didn't never even heard of it until about three years ago, and somebody had just watched it on Netflix and posted it on one of the groups that I was in as an quote unquote underrated sci-fi movie, and so I was like, hey, I'm gonna check this out, and I was blown away. It's like some of the best action I've seen on something that I had never heard of. <laughs> it was just nuts. So yeah. I was excited to talk about it because about maybe a year or less than a year after I watched it the first time, I watched it again. So whenever you mentioned it, I was like, dude, yeah, I'll just watch that one again. Awesome. It's a great film, and I'm excited to talk about it. I'm going to go ahead and give a little fair spoiler warning to anybody who's listening. Just go watch the dang movie because we're going to talk about it in depth. With that said... That is true. Yes, <laughs> this this is a spoiler discussion. <laughs> that's that's what this show is all about. We get down into the nitty gritty. So why don't you tell me just some things about the film that kind of stuck out as far as like manly moments that kind of you know give us lessons or whatnot? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, you know that. I feel like, you know, there is, there's a bunch of like manly badass moments, you know, in this film, you know, they, they just, they just kind of stack, stack them on top of each other. Christian Bale's John Preston is very much a manly character. And, you know, he's, he's painted very much as a heroic character as well, you know, cause uh, you know, he defends the innocent, you know, and stuff. Um, but a couple of moments that I think stand out as, as, as like as manly moments I'll, I'll give probably the the two that i like is uh one the puppy scene you know that i i love how, how the entire movie basically begins because of a dog <laughs> you know um you know that that basically the threat you know to this dog's life he's trying to release it into the uh, the nethers you know because he, he that was something i found interesting too is you know is it well, we'll get into that later. <laughs> I'm getting going down a rabbit trail here, but I like that fine, man. that this was a, a character who he was allowed to show, you know, like his emotion and his love for, you know, for like an animal and a pet, and that he, even down to the to the extent, you know, that they're, you know, he wipes out a whole squad, you know, of these enforcers basically because they're about to kill him and his dog. 
And man, what a what a great action scene that is too. Because we see a bunch of great action scenes with him and a few beforehand, but that is the first one that is really that you you see his skill set in full full uh, display. So there's that. Then the second manly moment that I really liked it all was uh, right near the climax or during the climax, I should say. And it's when he's cleared out a lot of the enemies and he's facing uh, against father. And it's uh, Ty Diggs' character, was I think Brant, Brant was I think his name, that uh, basically, you know, they're going to have their big showdown. And I love like just how arrogant, you know, Ty Diggs is, <laughs> you know, that he's like, you know, because you basically kind of see in an earlier scene, you know, where they're dueling that, you know, he's very proficient, you know, cleric, like he's very good. And you kind of think, wow, this is going to be a tough fight, you know, and stuff. And then within seconds, just Preston just wastes him. You know, it's like it, it wasn't even a fight. It was, <laughs> it was, it was three sword moves, and he just he dismantled him. <laughs> and I just thought I loved it. Was such a manly moment because it was it reminded me of that like power under control, you know, you know that he 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 had all of these skills he had everything and then it was just he just unleashed it and just took out his opponent instantly but it was it was awesome i loved it yeah that was a really freaking cool scene <laughs> like, uh yeah I, I really was yeah i'm with you i was expecting that fight to be an all-out bloodbath between the two of them like a just a classic fight scene but man he just waylaid him <laughs> it's just <laughs> Literally uh-huh. cut his face off. Yeah. Uh, oh. So, oh, that moment was it was great. I, I I love that. I don't know if this film was released in 3D or not, but I feel like that scene would have been perfect for it. Yeah, and what's funny though is when you really think about it, like why would we even be expecting him to have much of a fight with that guy mm-hmm. after he just slaughtered like 300 <laughs> men? Uh, <laughs> without breaking a sweat you without know? breaking sweat <laughs> like, so in comes this guy who's cocky is like oh so you're gonna take me i after i just took on 12 in a row right before uh-huh. you but yeah so i guess maybe he could have been you know winded or something but like so that that I guess in that sense, it seems more realistic because, yeah, he shouldn't have to spend a lot of time fighting this guy. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> it's it's true, you know? <laughs> yeah, with the experience he has. Mm-hmm. Man. I almost feel like kind of like throughout the film, and it's one another thing I liked about it, too, is that so many movies, when they portray your heroic character, give them hurdles to overcome you know or and that can be many things but a lot of times it's it's giving them really powerful villains you know villains that they have a hard time with or that you know you have the the quote-unquote rocky moment you know where they're just beaten to a pulp but then they rise to the occasion whatever and i just love that christian mills john preston never there they kind of established in the film that there's not really anyone who's his equal in this world (laughs) it's like you know (laughs) that his his The conflict and that he's given is more of an internal conflict. And as we'll go into later with the emotional aspect of it is more of what he has to come up against. Not so much any of his physical opponents because there's there's no one who can match him really. For sure, man. So a couple of things that kind of stick out to me. The, the something that that lady said in the prison, mm. when she said you exist so that you can continue to exist. Mm. Like that's his sole purpose in life is 
to just keep on existing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a dead lie, man. Uh, like, yeah, it's just true. It's awful. Uh. <laughs> and she says, you know, without love, breath is just a clock ticking. Hmm. And man, that hit me. Like, I mean, it's so true. And I, a lot of us as guys, you know, we try to suppress our emotions. Mm-hmm. All of us do at times because um, we want to be, you know, the man, the brute. I guess it's ingrained in us ever mm-hmm. since cavemen days. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's really unhealthy and it's no life at all to live. And, I, and I'll say this, based on my experience, I used to be on a uh, antidepressant, mm. and it basically made me not really feel <laughs> that mm. much. And which, I mean, it helped me at that time. Mm. But then I had decided that I wanted to get off of it because I don't think depression was my problem. Mm. I had realized that I think that ADHD was my problem. Ah, interesting. So, I have a bit of that. My I have a bit of that myself. <laughs> so I started taking in ADHD med, and started weaning myself off of this. And dude, like it's so amazing to actually have feelings again. <laughs> it's just <laughs> wonderful. Uh, I mean, I, I know I had feelings before, but my biggest thing, I just I never really felt any empathy you know mm. and it was just hard for me to empathize with others and and it dulled everything mm-hmm. yeah exactly mm-hmm. so and i'm not saying i'm not knocking antidepressants for anybody but for me it messed me up and i didn't like it mm-hmm. <laughs> so and i'm i'm happy to be off of them mm-hmm. because i like to be able to feel things and i don't even want to try to count how many movies I've cried at since then. <laughs> you know what? You know, feeling emotion in a film is a very, it's a very special thing, you know, and just seeing something that resonates with you, you know, and, and it can be anything really in a film because everybody, you know, different films resonate with different people, you know, and I always say in a lot of people, a lot of people laugh. Some people know, know the feeling, but like, you know, I tell people, you know, when I went and saw Transformers 2, you know, Revenge of the Fallen, which is a, pretty terrible movie like i i I, I will i will get on board and say it's an awful movie but oh my god i would be lying if i didn't say that it messed me up when optimus prime sacrificed his life you know um at that moment i was like oh you know this might have been a terrible movie but oh man they hit that emotional beats in that scene so well and having been a fan of him my whole life you know and stuff that just oh my gosh you know that was an emotional moment that i felt and i still remember it from years later seeing that in theaters so yeah you know just being able to being able to feel things in films is is very special for sure i'll say i I tell people all the time the first movie i ever cried at was remember the titans it's a good movie (laughs) (laughs) and what's funny about that is uh, actually Take that back. That's not the first movie I ever cried at. The first one was for love of the game. And the second one was Remember the Titans. And so my joke was, I only cry at sports movies. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I just, 
whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that's I, that's where my heart is or something. I don't know. Um, uh, hey, remember you know, the Titans? You know. I, I pretty much was crying for other things besides sports. I mean, it was it was a very emotional film, like with the race, everything. So, have have you seen a, a, a sports film? Uh, Do you see the Legend of Bagger Vance? I have not. Uh, I'm a big golf fan, and that's a. It's the book is, of course, way better, you know. But that was a good movie with Will Smith and Matt Damon. I, I enjoyed that one. Um, and if you like sports movies, I think you'd probably like that one because that's all about philosophy of life and living your life mixed with like the sports game. It was it was, it was a good movie. Yeah, I love a good sports movie, and I love me a good Will Smith movie too. Mm-hmm. So uh, that sounds. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know why I haven't seen it. There's there's a lot of movies that I'm like, why have I not watched that? <laughs> like, I mean, just a few weeks ago, I watched for the first time The Rock, Independence Day, and Mission Impossible all in one week. Oh, so, man. <laughs> oh, and those are three bangers too <laughs> from 1996, all three of them. <laughs> and I did not realize that. Apparently, I was not going to the movies in 1996 because <laughs> uh, those are probably the three highest groups <laughs> that year. So, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, cry- crying in movies is, is is a good time. And, and one other thing that kind of stuck out to me and. and it was just kind of a weird, subtle thing whenever, which it turns out that it ended up being fake. But when Tay Diggs realizes that Preston had switched the guns with him. And so Preston was using Tay Diggs's gun the whole time when he was <laughs> in the underground and basically framing him right when Tay Diggs, I keep forgetting his name in the movie. Brant. Brant. So he was basically framing Brant, and right right when Brant was trying to basically tell on him, (laughs) you know, uh, bring him to the council or whatever, uh, he turns it around on him, saying, "Okay, check the gun." (laughs) The guy says, "It's your gun." (laughs) It's like he switched it. That was a great moment. Yeah. But it, that's the thing, man. Like, you know, men, we are supposed to always do the right thing. And no matter what that costs us, no matter what the powers that be tell us to do, there is an objective moral right and wrong. And we are to do what's right. However, if we are going against people that are above us in that doing the right thing, we need to be smart about it. And that's what he was <laughs> when he switched those guns. Like, it, yeah, that, that was just a cool move to me. No, that was a moment. I really, I really, I really liked that one. And what was interesting was that um, I had, you know, cause it had been, you know, like I said, about 10 years since I'd seen it. So I had forgotten a lot of, you know, some of the story beats. And so like that moment hit me as a surprise. Cause I, I didn't remember that coming. And so I was like, Oh man, I don't remember this part. <laughs> you know, This is good. Oh, and but that, that moment too, which you mentioned before was, was really true. Um, you know, and uh, what was her name in prison? Was it Mary O'Brien played by uh, Emily Watson, you know, that moment, you know, when she talks about, you know, like you said, of like existing, you know, that was, it was a great, it was a, a really, a really thoughtful moment, you know, for an action movie, you know, because a lot of times action movies don't have those, uh, 
you know, those, those quiet introspective uh, things. And, you know, it reminded me uh, a little bit of, um, I think was it, it was the movie with Robin Williams, the dead poet society. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a great quote that he, he did. And I won't read the whole quote cause it's a little long, but, but basically that he, um, well, actually it's only three sentences. So I will, <laughs> that he said, uh, we don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race and the human race is filled with passion and medicine, law, business, engineering, and those are all noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. And that that reminded me when I was watching Equilibrium of what she says of that, you know, basically that Preston is just going through life. They're, they have no love, no passion, nothing, you know, the whole whole society. They basically, they, they work, they sleep, they eat, and just repeat every day. And that, that, you know, when he's investigating these different things, how he finds those underground rooms that these people have set up, you know, with music, with paintings, you know, just places for them to go and look, you know, and see things. Um, you know, that was a, a moment that just hit me, you know, that I was like, oh, man, you know, and it kind of made me think of like, well, what would life be like without a lot of these enjoyment things you know you know uh, without art you know or, or whatever you enjoy honestly you know it doesn't have to just be art or or poetry or anything like that you know um you know do you enjoy looking at a sunrise and and, and, and feeling that feeling you know of beauty and uh that was something that i that i agree that was just really well done in this film a lot yeah what's cool is like you know with everybody in this film or in this dystopian society that they're suppressing emotion with this drug that they're taking the prosium i think is what it's called um so they're basically having to find you know emotion and the joy that they would get from natural things something sometimes it's like contraband like you know poetry that somebody has created or art or like the mona lisa was on there but like Preston just opens up a window and sees the sun and he's like struck with tears, you know, like it's just everything that's been created in this world is just so beautiful. And it, it just, it can pierce us in our soul without having to have interaction with anyone. So, oh man, that just, a lot of that stuff was just like really hitting me. And then whenever he puts that record on, and he hears music for the first time. Oh, Beethoven, by the way. Man, it's oh. just such a cool scene. That scene was just beautiful, you know, because, you know, and, and you know, they, the, the, the director framed it so well because of this moment, like you said, of like discovery, you know, that, that, cause you don't really realize, cause they don't tell you exactly how long, you know, this society has been going on, you know, um, you know, they allude that it's, that you know that it's not you know that it hasn't been like hundreds and hundreds of years or anything like that but at the same time you know they definitely give you the impression that john preston was born into this you know like he or you know that because he hasn't experienced any of this stuff and he's supposed to be in his i would say like mid-30s probably or something like that so um so they definitely allude that possibly this world has been going on for 50 to 100 years maybe you know, and just seeing his his face, the reaction when that music starts playing and it starts so quietly, you know, and then it like just builds up, builds up, you know, showing that gramophone. Oh, this is awesome. It's <laughs> a great scene. Oh, yeah. Very good scene. And I'll tell you one other thing in the film that 
we see happen in our society is I'm trying to think of who it was he was talking to. Uh, oh, it was the, the father, but not the Alfred from Gotham father. But not, the, who, not who we're led to believe is father. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but the, the go-between go father, supposedly, uh, was saying it, it, they were going to have to kill all these people or whatever. And you know, Preston was like, you know, they're important. We can use them for information. And the guy was like, father wants us to kill him. It's not the message that's important, but it's our obedience to it. And so basically, you know, it doesn't matter whether you agree or disagree. You are to blindly follow the orders that were given. He said that it was a matter of faith. And he asked him, do you have faith? And, you know, a lot of times we do put a lot more faith and trust in people, even when they should be people that we should have that much trust in. I mean, is there really anybody that we can put that much trust in without any like doubting or questioning? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. No, that, that is, is very true. That scene was, was very interesting, you know, cause it was very, it was very hard hitting and, you know, and I'm sure uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, you know, father and, and DuPont, you know, <laughs> a little bit later. But that scene kind of played into a uh, when you know uh, what's his name is it Sean Pertwee I think <laughs> you know got, um, uh, Alfred the Butler um, <laughs> um, you know like when uh, he's know, just when Alfred just call him Alfred yeah, yeah we'll just call him Alfred but you know when he does ask him about faith you know that was a scene that I thought was a little odd because because I thought oh that's interesting because he's using the word faith which is an emotional reaction. But then I think that that kind of plays into a little bit later, you know, when we find out and they don't exactly put it out there, I should say, you know, in the sense that like it's not it's not 100 percent confirmed. But, you know, when we find out that father is actually DuPont, you know, um, you know the vice father, you should say, um, as everybody knows him, that when you find out that he's the one who's kind of behind the curtain all along. But then they heavily allude to it that he actually has not been on the drug and I don't know, I was going to ask you if you picked that up as well, that it, it felt almost like he maybe was, you know, a uh, sense offender almost. Um, and I don't know, I, I was going back and forth on it um, because I thought interesting, he uses a word like faith, you know, which is a more emotional. And then when he confronts Preston at the end, he raises his voice, you know, and like yells, you know, which was an emotional response. And then he even uses a word like, oh, hey, I'm breathing, I'm alive, I feel whatever. And and I, I couldn't quite tell if it was a manipulation tactic, you know, or if it was supposed to elude possibly that that the guy ruling everybody actually wasn't on the drug. So I wasn't sure. Um, but that was that was an interesting moment that it reminded me when we were talking about the faith. <laughs> that actually I hadn't thought about that, but that would make sense because he was the only person who was able to actually kind of match up with him. You know, mm -hmm. fisticuffs, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because they, they both pulled guns and they both kept blocking each other. Mm -hmm. And after he just slaughtered, you know, 300 <laughs> men. Like, so maybe the emotions are what made him be able to feel what the next guy's doing. You know, mm -hmm. that's something to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not only do emotions, you know, make you connect better with people, but they make you a better fighter because you're mm -hmm. connecting better with people 
<laughs> yeah. So. No, that's, that's a, that's a great, that's a great line. Yeah. I think that's very true, you know, because yeah, because anything to do with combat with everything, you know, uh, you know, fear, emotion, all of that, you know, plays into all of that, you know, because, <laughs> you know, because, because, you know, I mean, how good would somebody be as a soldier if they didn't feel fear, you know, because you wouldn't necessarily, would you be that good? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine you being that efficient <laughs> in wartime. Mm-hmm. But the whole purpose of this is to prevent war from breaking out. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. No, that's yeah, huh? exactly. No, that's 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 yeah, because that is the entire reasoning for this society existing that it it almost starts, you know, you could say with a noble, you know, the cause, oh, you know, we want to save lives. So we want to help everybody, you know, and that's kind of an interesting thing, because that's something they don't quite go into of like, well, was this an altruistic government, you know, when it first started, you know, uh, helping people and then you know, did it, uh, did it turn bad? You know, we don't, we don't really know. We know that there was several incarnations of it because DuPont, uh, says that, the that the father had died years before. And I'm assuming that that was Alfred, um, because he is almost like an AI type character and they allude that he was the original father, but we don't fully know. And I think that's an interesting, uh, interesting thing to think on. Sure. Yeah. So what do you think about, the resistance, you know, some of your favorite characters. But before we go into that, I hate that we did not get the opportunity during our spoiler-free section to just go ahead and spoil the fact that Sean Bean is going to die. (laughs) 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 And fairly early, too. (laughs) (laughs) That's his thing, man. He always Uh dies. Uh, but anyway, so <laughs> what, are, what are some of your favorite people in the resistance? Uh, you know, the resistance has some great characters in it and, you know, it has some great uh, character actors as well, you know, cause you mentioned, you know, we have Sean Bean, we have Emily Watson, we have William Fitchner, um, uh, Dominic Purcell. Um, Dominic Purcell is in, in this, in a very quick cameo. I, I want to say, I think this was before he was well known from prison break um, and everything. So he was kind of just a bit actor still, but, you know, but there's some great characters. But uh, the two, the two that I, I would say the two really that I liked a lot was uh, Sean Bean's uh, Partridge, uh, who was a, uh, the partner of John Preston, a cleric, uh, a high ranking cleric as well. Um, and uh, Mary O'Brien, uh, Emily Watson's character. Those two were very, um, they were very interesting because I think they had the most interaction, you know, with uh, Bales Preston. Um, but I really liked Sean Bean's character. He was he wasn't in it that much. I want to say he was maybe only in the first ten minutes, maybe fifteen, before he non spoiler alert dies. <laughs> but it was it was interesting because you get your our first glimpse of the society of people coming off of the drug and feeling from him, and you know we start to see how people they're able to hide that they can feel for a while, but then it kind of gets to the point where they can't. And what I loved was that. Partridge, you know, he's kind of said that he was part of the resistance, you know, and he was helping them. Uh, but I also love that they said, oh, you know, every night he's been going out into the uh, into the nethers and he's been going out to read, <laughs> you know, um, you know, that when Preston confronts him, he's reading, you know, a book of poetry. And it's just a, uh, a great it's just a great moment. It's a very emotional moment. And then, you know, with uh, Emily Watson's character, what kind of you know sticks out to me is she's you know, she's very important you know, to Preston's development, because, 
they allude that there's a bit of a um of a love try there's a little bit of a of an attraction there you know they don't go into it a huge amount but there's a little bit there but um but there's a scene that i i really like that is very important that when he first goes and arrests her you know he grabs her and he says look at what you've become you know because he's so horrified at you know at her being you know at being a um a sense offender and he takes her and he puts her face in front of a mirror and he catches a glimpse of his own face and it's just such a great moment that he's in shock because he's suddenly feeling the feeling of seeing himself for the first time. And, and I, and I just, it was so interesting seeing her as this catalyst kind of, of what kind of almost pushed him over the edge a little bit of feeling again. And then lastly, a character I did like, we don't really get to know him all that much as William Fitchner's Jurgen. I just, I love William Fitchner as an actor. <laughs> like he, he's great. He's been in a, in a bunch of stuff and, and almost this film is a mini prison break pre pre reunion before it came on with Dominic Purcell and him. Both of them were in that TV series together. But, um, but, you know, he's kind of your more straight laced resistance guy. And, you know, like I said, we don't get to get to know him all that much. But he's kind of, you know, the the entry point for Preston of seeing this world of the underground. And what's interesting, too, is that we find out the resistance is in the city, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, father and everybody thinks it's out existing in the wasteland, but it's actually right under everyone's feet. And lastly, what I what I thought was interesting, what I think was the most interesting thing that Jurgen's character gave us was that he's describing people's roles in, in society. And he's saying, like, you know, basically, you know, that, you know, the resistance allows people to feel, to experience emotion. And he's like, he's like, but there's a few of us, you know, a select few of us that that we can't feel. And he said, and we can't feel in order that everyone else can feel. And I thought that was that was so interesting that that, you know, that they, you know, they're not on the drug, you know, I want to say for the viewers, you know, they're not like drugging themselves but they're they're almost searing their emotions um you know they're you know because they're 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 the combat veterans you know they're they're the ones who who you know commit the violent acts so that the other people can um you know and we get a little window of that later on with preston when he's facing down dupont um when he references that moment but but yeah overall i I enjoyed the resistance characters but those three probably stood out to me the most Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I was just curious because I, I didn't really pay that much attention to him. But yeah, I think Mary O'Brien, as I had mentioned earlier, was the one who had really kind of hit me with what she had said about how you exist so you can continue to exist. And without love, you know, breath is just a clock ticking. But Sean Bean, man, I mean, that dude was like he was on the front lines as a cleric. But he was the one who was living a double life, right? And there's something about him just being bold, you know, to do that and and still keep his job. I mean, he could have just went and hid, but he stayed as a cleric and kept doing his job. Um, I'm guessing to find more contraband (laughs) and take a book home with him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's to to find out different secrets and maybe throw them off trail and stuff. So, you know, what he was doing was really important and really, like I said, bold, you know, like daring. It's it's another, a manly thing about the film. Uh, 
Sean Bean's character, what little we got to see of him. No, that's that is true. He is he is a very he is a very manly character, and and you know his 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 death at the hands of Preston is is a great moment. Oh. You know, you know it's it's heartfelt. It's it's badass. You know, but it it, it was great. <laughs> mm-hmm. And one thing that I call this time was: Did you realize that the kids had not been taking the prosium? Yeah, that was really interesting because I didn't, uh, um, I had not remembered that. And so when it got to the end, I was like, I was like, oh man, you know, um, that I didn't realize that, that, that they had been off of it the whole time, you know, and, and it it was, it was funny too, because like his son, you know, um, you know, within that universe was a good little actor, you know, (laughs) because he he was totally playing the role of the whole like, you know, creepy informant, (laughs) yeah like he was kept asking his dad he said hey Mm -hmm. so and so was crying at school should i report him Mm -hmm. like i I feel like he was just kind of feeling his dad out you know to Mm -hmm. see if he can kind of be or if he's already stopped taking them so i don't Mm -hmm. know i I think he was afraid to tell his dad that he had but Mm -hmm. he was like kept on asking him questions about it to hopefully you know, see something in it. And, and I don't know, that, that was just mm-hmm. very that interesting. Was- and the next scene, the thing is I've seen it twice before, but I did not even realize that the kids weren't taking it until this time. So the next time I watch it, I'm going to be watching the whole time knowing that they weren't taking it and see if I can make some sense out of that. <laughs> so, yeah. Pick, pick up some of the cues. <laughs> yeah. Man, the whole family dynamic between the kids and the wife. And that's another thing that I didn't think about until this time. You know, Preston can sense when people are feeling, but he couldn't sense with his wife. So do you think that he really couldn't sense it? Or do you think that he could and he just didn't turn her in because it's his wife? (laughs) That's I, I wondered that myself. And like, I think... You know, I feel like there was an innate, you know, an innate denial in the sense there, you know, because, you know, being being his wife, you know, someone he lives with and stuff. I, I feel like, you know, that it's probably I don't see how it's possible that he couldn't have been able to tell, especially because they describe him as like an as like an, an what do they call it into it, you know, or something, you know, um, you know, and, and that's what makes him such a great cleric is that he can sense, you know, all of these people and that's how he catches them. And it, and it made me wonder a little bit of like how, you know, even though they are suppressing people's emotions with this drug, that there is stuff that kind of leaks through almost a little bit, you know, because uh, because we see even throughout it that they all have the, the, the phrases still, you know, that, um you know, that, oh, I'm sorry, you know, they don't feel it, but they still say it, you know, or even sometimes that they might smile, you know, but it's like this kind of like weird leftover emotion that it's something that's kind of <laughs> leaking through from from i don't know if they're subconscious or something that they are supposed to do this kind of stuff even though they're not necessarily feeling it and so it kind of almost made me wonder a little bit about preston with his wife that it was like that he did kind of sense it but at the same time his his subconscious or something was suppressing that a little bit i don't know in like a protective because we see him defend her when they break into the house mm-hmm. um you know that that these are you know, these are the military people. So it's like, theoretically, as a cleric, he should have just stood there and been like, what are you doing here? But he jumped right into action. And that was like that primordial, you know, defense mechanism as a man, you know, for him to mm-hmm. defend his family. And so, so yeah, I think that there is definitely some, 
I, I think that there's definitely a, a, you know, some stuff to mine there of what was really going on in his head. Yeah. All, all I can say is it really doesn't matter how much you suppress your emotion, no matter what drugs you take, your wife is always going to hold a key to your heart <laughs> and so to speak without being too cheesy. So I, mean, I could see him knowing the whole time, but just suppressing it and not addressing it, not telling anyone because it's his wife, you know, and I, I guess some things are just beyond drug suppression. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and no, that, that, that is true because, you know, because I feel like he had that within him a little bit as well, because when he confronts uh, Sean Bean's partridge, you know, you know, he says, oh, I'll take you in. And he said, oh, I'll speak to them about going easy on you. You know, that it was like he had, you know, even though he, he was supposedly dead emotionally, he still had this almost innate sense of loyalty a little bit of like he knew they weren't going to go easy on him. He knew he was a dead man. Um, but at the same time, he still he, he didn't want, you know, his partner and his friend to be executed. And he was going to try and talk them out of it, you know. And so I thought that was kind of interesting that, it, like you said, you know, it shows no matter how much, you know, you try and suppress stuff, there's always going to be a little bit of it there. Yeah, exactly. Well, before we close out, is there anything else that you wanted to address with the film? You know, there is one thing I, I would like to say, you know, that, um, and we, we've addressed a little bit of it here and there throughout it, but, um, but one thing that I really like about this movie and why I feel it's so underrated as well is that it really feels like it's was a forerunner of a lot of the action type films that we see today. You know, that it was it was basically almost like John Wick before John Wick. You know, that this this film, I want to kind of say invented gun fu, really, <laughs> you know, um, because, yeah, the Matrix had the martial arts with the guns. But this film actually created a science around it, you know, um, the gun uh, gun katas, you know, that they that, and they explained it in the world. Oh, this is how they're so good. The clerics, this is, you know, this is why they're able to defeat so many enemies. And I feel like we've seen a lot of that stuff with John Wick, you know, and also to another thing that I feel this influenced John Wick too, is that this whole film hinges on a man defending his dog. <laughs> It's like, and and it's kind of like I, you know, when John Wick first came out, people were like, "Man, this is so original." I was like, "Yeah, it is," but I was like, "Equilibrium kind of did it first, you know." Um, And so, you know, and so I, I I do feel that like a lot of a lot of elements in this movie really was before its time. I think, and you know, like I said, it's it's sadly very very you know mostly forgotten, and you know, I think very underrated. But yeah, you know, um, so I definitely recommend people people to see it if you're interested in seeing a, you know, one of those dystopian mid 2000s films, though, that's very good, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you, you want to see the uh, um, the anti matrix, we could we could call it a little bit. Um, <laughs> um, but and I say that in in every in, in every bit of, of a way as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to take anything away from the impact the Matrix had. Oh, definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a huge deal in 1999. Opened a lot of doors for sci-fi, and it's it's an iconic film for a reason. Mm-hmm. But Equilibrium is, is a better movie. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Uh-huh. I think the fact that it came out three years later mm-hmm. and is very similar in style has made people write it off as just kind of a ripoff 
but watch the film again. Like it's, it's a deep, deep movie. <laughs> and the action is top notch and the acting is top notch. It's like a lot of great character actors, like you said, and you know, the stars, they're just delivering these impeccable performances. I mean, it's hard to act like a cold person, right? <laughs> like, and not show emotion. No, all. exactly. Uh huh. <laughs> it's not easy, you know. <laughs> I mean, when you people know? are reading lines, they might act like they're not showing an emotion, but it's it's hard to be intentional in doing that, you know. <laughs> kind of like it's hard for a college football coach to play himself in a movie. Uh-huh. In the uh, what was that movie? The Blind Side. <laughs> yeah, The Blind Side. Uh huh. <laughs> All those coaches were horrible actors. But they uh-huh. were playing themselves. Yeah. How, they, how did they get that wrong? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's funny. <laughs> True. Uh, so yeah. No. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely 100 percent agree. You know that Matrix is a good movie. It's it's iconic. Like you said, you know nothing nothing disparaging on that. But yeah, when I was watching this this movie today, you know. Or rewatching it, I should say, you know, I, I found that while I adore the first Matrix movie, and I mean, I like all of them, but while I adore the first one and it's a film I will rewatch the rest of my life, you know, I, I found that I liked this one better. <laughs> you know, that I was like, you know, this the story, the characters, everything I, I, I resonated a little bit more um, with. And, um, and also, I mean, man, we, we, we got a kick-ass hallway fight, you know, in equilibrium, you know, you know, it's like, you know, people talk about the, you know, the, you know, I put this fight up, you know, up there with the Vader fight scene and, you know, and the daredevil fight scene, you know, this, you know, it was kick-ass, you know, so, you know, I like to think, you know, maybe that, you know, in some alternate universe or something, you know, this film was a mega hit, you know, was a huge hit and it set Christian Bale, you know, on, on the path of being like, you know, the next Will Smith when it comes to action films. <laughs> yeah he is a great actor though man oh he is <laughs> just... he's he's incredible you know and 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 that's what i liked too with this is like okay this is a small you know lower budget you know action sci-fi thriller and he gave it his all you know he wasn't phoning it in you know um and we know from like you, know, you think of american hustle you know all these movies he's a great actor you know he's very good yeah. uh, you know into the furnace you know and stuff uh ford and, v ferrari oh I'm so glad to find somebody else who loves that movie. Oh like, man! Oh, I have some friends who like hate on that movie, and I'm like, you know, that was such a good movie. <laughs> oh man, I'm actually covering it with a friend for this show, oh, so I'm looking I forward to. I can't wait to, to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll listen to that. I'm, I'm hoping to get it released for Father's Day because mm. um, that's a, like a really cool father-son movie. Mm-hmm, very so. much so. But yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, you know. Like I said, I'm always happy to talk about this movie. And, you know, always happy happy to come on your show, too. For sure, for sure. But, yeah, I guess until next time, just, guys, just remember, don't suppress your feelings, and you got to man up.